Good morning. Hope you have a wonderful day. We'll dedicate today's class to the neshama of the brothers' Hebrew name. Uh, Yitzhak Yaakov, Akoin, Yaakov Ben Yehuda Leib. And uh, we continue. We left off. We started the fifth chapter in Ksuvis, Afalpi. And uh, we left off on the bottom, uh, the second line from the bottom, that he says that even though the basic suva is 200 zoos for a virgin and 100 for a non-virgin, um, if he wants to add, he can add whatever he wants, even hundred, even 10,000 zoos if he wants to add. So the Gemara deducts from the language, since he says he wants to add, that it's not if you want to give her, give her a gift. Like it's two separate things. He's giving her the ksuva, and then he's giving her a gift. On top of that, he's adding. The husband is adding to his wife. No, he says he wants to add to the ksuva. So it means comes to teach me that the addition is also considered part of the ksuva. So the mother says, "Nafkimina." What's the difference? What's the difference if it's considered part of the ksuva, or if what are the ramifications, or if it's just an independent gift? The Gemara says there are 14 nafkiminas. That's what we left off. <laughs> 14 uh, ramifications. So number one. Number one is lemecheres. A woman who sells a ksuba. Or lemecheres. A woman who forgives her husband, waves her rights. Ksuba. And she waves her rights. We don't say, well, she just waved the 100 zuz or the 200 zuz. No. Anything that's written in the ksuba is included. Other thing he says is lemeredes. A woman who rebels. So we're going to learn later on. If a woman rebels against a husband and refuses to have relations with him. So the court reduces her ksuva. And by a certain amount, every week, she's like penalized. Till there's nothing left. And then he can divorce her without paying a ksuva. So since what he adds as addition is also included in part ksuva. So the weekly reduction consider is con- 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 not only re- de- deduct the 200 or the 100, you deduct anything, whatever is in the ksuva gets deducted every week. She's penalized. Olopegemis, a woman who impures a ksuva. We're going to learn later on in the tractate. In other words, she admits that she received a partial payment. It says in the ksuva the husband owes her so and so, and he says, you know, I did receive a partial payment. So she's admitting that the Ksuva is not exactly accurate anymore. No longer accurate. He says he paid everything. She's like a partial admission. Well, you know, he's partially right. He did pay me something, but not all. So she has to swear. It's like a maidab mixer. She has to swear that, uh, that uh, the husband still owes her the balance. So... So therefore, mm-hmm. since now that we say that even the supplement is part of the ksuva itself, so even if she says that, if she, even if she argues that the ksuva was never paid, the 100 or 200 was never paid, but she got the supplement, mm-hmm. so that's considered a partial admission. In other words, she's, she's not claiming, I didn't get a penny. Mm-hmm. He's already saying it's consider- she's impairing the ksuva. Mm-hmm. Here, the entire ksuva said there's, there's 10,000 zuz. And she says, no, that I got, but I didn't get the 200. Mm-hmm. So therefore, she, has, she would have to swear to collect the rest. Fifth, a fifth uh, implication, a fifth difference is letevas. 
a woman who demands a ksuba. When it says when a widow, we learned yesterday, when a widow demands a ksuba, that means it's all over. She forfeits any rights she has to support, you know, as a widow, she has rights to remain living in the house and the estate has to support her mm-hmm. on her level, on her standards. Once she demands iksuva, then it's over. The marriage is over, there's disconnect, and there's no longer, she's no longer obligated. So therefore, even if she demands, now that we said that the, the, the addition, uh, what the husband added to the basic requirement of iksuva is also considered part of iksuva, so if she demands that supplement it's considered she's demanding a ksuva, and then, then the estate is no longer, the orphans, the children, the sons are no longer obligated to support her. just disagrees with this explanation because he says, we're going to learn later on, that it's only if she demands the entire ksuva. So just the fact that she's demanding the supplement, even if it's part of the ksuva, she would still get support. Mm-hmm. So the taste is just the exact opposite. Now that you're saying that even the addition that the husband added to her is also part of the ksuva. So even if she demands the entire ksuva, meaning the entire 100 or 200, mm-hmm. but she's not yet demanding the supplement, she still gets sustained because she didn't demand the entire ksuva, mm-hmm. only part of it. It's not separate. It's all considered like one, one big hole. Okay? The seventh thing is, the sixth thing is, levedas aldas. A woman who transgresses the laws of Moshe. In other words, she's not behaving appropriately. She's not acting modestly. So she forfeits a ksuva. So we're saying not only does she forfeit the basic ksuva, the 100 and 200, she forfeits even the supplement, everything. Because it's considered part of the ksuva. We continue on the 55a. The seventh thing is l'shvach. The collecting the appreciation of the land. The Mishnah says that a firstborn son who gets a double portion doesn't take a double portion of the appreciation of the assets after the father dies. It's only whatever is there, whatever is present. When the father dies, whatever value is there, he gets a double portion. But if the estate appreciates after, after the father's death, he doesn't get, he's shared equally with all the brothers. He doesn't get double, a double portion. And also a woman who collects the from her husband's estate only collects from the assets that the husband had when he died, not from the appreciation. She can't collect the tzuvah from the appreciation that the assets appreciate. He was a slumlord in Brooklyn, and all of a sudden, after he dies, Brooklyn became hotter than, than the Park Avenue. She can't collect from that, from that appreciation. It's only, only what was present when the husband died. So, so therefore we learn from our mission that she also doesn't collect the supplement. Same thing applies. It's part of the ksuva. So this law also applies. would also apply to the supplement. So you can only collect the supplement from the value of the estate, whatever value it had at the time of his death. Not the appreciation post, after his death. Yeah, past him. L'shvua. It's a swearing. Some cases when she has to swear in order to collect her ksuva. Usually she won't have to swear. Why does she have to swear? But there's some cases, let's say, a divorcee wants to collect the ksuva, the husband is not present. So she has to swear. Or let's say one, there's one witness that testifies that she received the ksuva already. Mm-hmm. And she's denying the one witness. So we don't believe a witness, one witness, but we do believe him enough that the Torah says she has to swear. And then she can collect. Or if she wants to collect from the children, 
from the orphans, or, or someone purchased the property, you want to extract it from someone else, already bought it legitimately, you have to swear. Or if you want to take it out of the orphans, you have to swear. So we say the same thing applies also when she wants to collect the supplement, she also has to swear. It's considered light, like the ksuva. Yes, why does he list it as two separate things? Impairing the ksuva, which means she has to swear. And here we said she has to swear. Seems to be the same thing. So it actually says, because over here, I would think that he only has to swear to collect the supplement, but not the basic suva, the, the, the hundred or the two hundred. But by impairing the suva, then she would have to swear, even if the husband is present. There are no orphans. The husband's present. He has the property and it's right in front of the husband. There's no witness. There's no reason. But by impairing the suva, she has to swear on everything, not only on the, on, on the, on the supplement, she also would have to swear even, even on the 100 and the 200. Is the, the problem is, it's problematic because there's nothing to do with the ksuva, whether it's part of the ksuva or not part of the ksuva, doesn't matter. Any, any debt, you would have to swear if there's one witness testifying against you, or if the husband is not present. Mm-hmm. or you want to take it away from the orphans, or you want to take it away from someone who bought it legitimately. Mm-hmm. Nothing to do with whether, whether it's part of the ksuva, not part of the ksuva, you would have to take a note. Doesn't, it's not an implication, because it's part of the ksuva, that's why she has to swear. Mm-hmm. She just learns a different Learns What he means is that once she swears in the ksuva, she's, which, she swears in the ksuva. So you don't have to say it's two separate things. There's the ksuva, the hundred and the two hundred, and then there's the debt, the supplement. It's like a debt to her. He committed a debt to her. So she, maybe it should be two separate shvuas. So that's what he's saying. No, when she swore on the ksuva, that my husband knows me the ksuva, the ksuva is broad. It includes everything. It doesn't, doesn't need two separate oaths. Okay. A ninth thing is, well, for shmita. Even though shmita cancels all debts, but it doesn't cancel the ksuva. Say it's a debt. She cancel ever this year with shmita. The end of the year cancels all the debts. So you would think that it should cancel, but it doesn't cancel the ksuv. Unless she accepts partial payment and the rest is like, uh, the balance is like a loan. Then it's like any other loan. But other than that, um, the ksuv is not canceled. That's what he says, that it's not canceled. The entire ksuv, even the supplement is considered part of the ksuv, and therefore it's not canceled out by shviyas. Hey, amazing. Any anyway, 14 and 14 ramifications. But in general, anytime there's an argument from this we learn, anytime there's an argument or discussion, there's always the question is, what's the ramification? What's the practical difference? Whether you say this or you say that. It's not just an abstract concept. Everything ultimately has an implication. So here, here he gives us 14 implications of saying that the supplement is considered part of the ksuva. The, the tenth thing is, mm-hmm. someone who writes all of his possessions to his sons. And, and then if he signs his wife a piece of land, she forfeits a ksuva. So she accepts the gifts. She says, I'm going to give you this piece of land, this piece of property, everything else, I'm giving all my property belongs to, 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 to the sons. So it means that she, she forfeits a ksuva. So we say also that she forfeits not only the, ten, the hundred of the two hundred, she forfeits even the supplement. She forfeits everything. Right. 
Another difference is eleventh difference is ligbeis minakark. The collecting only from real estate. Aksuva, even if the husband is present and alive, let's say a divorcee, can only be collected from real estate, not from movable items. Other loans you can collect from anything, whatever he has, even movable items. But aksuva you only collect from 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 property. So we learn that the supplemental is also considered like that. You only collect it from real estate. The twelve difference is that the ksuva you only collect from an inferior land. A regular debt you can collect from average. Average, no, choices if you do damage. If you do damage, you collect meta. If a debt you do, you do average, middle. But, uh, but uh, a ksuva she collects from the cheapest property. The slums, she gets, uh, okay, you, you get that property, <laughs> no one wants in the Poconos there, <laughs> you know, uh, that's your property. Whatever it is, it has a value and it's yours. So we're saying that Just the supplement, even the supplement is also the same law applies. They only collect from inferior land. And the 13th difference is, that as long as she's in her father's house, says that a widow who remains in the husband's house after his death, can collect the ksuva any time in the future. Even if it's many years go by, she doesn't demand the ksuva. Being silent doesn't mean that she's waiving her rights. She's being silent, she doesn't demand the ksuva because she's embarrassed because the heirs, her sons, are, are treating her so well. They're, they're taking care of her, they're supporting her, they're respecting her. But once she returns to her father's house, and, and then in that case, the ears don't support her anymore. So then she, we give her 25 years in one day. 25 years go by and she doesn't demand the ksuva. It means she's waiving her rights. Completely, it's over. It's gone. So we're saying the same thing also would apply to the supplemental. The supplement that the husband promised her. That as long as she's in the father's house, then, then there's no, it's not indefinite. She has 25 years to demand the supplement. 25 years on one day, she waives her rights. Versus if she lives, remains in her husband's house, it could be 50 years. She never gave up the rights. She can always, any time, demand the ksuva, the supplement as well. And the 14th and final implication is, l'ksuva's b'nin Regards the ksuva, which is awarded to the woman's male children from her husband. She made a condition with her husband that if she dies, and therefore the husband now gets the ksuva, he doesn't have to pay her, she's dead. But then the husband dies. Any rights that she had in the ksuva, anything she brought into the ksuva, anything that was committed to her, her sons, her sons, from her husband, they get the ksuva. They will inherit the ksuva independently of, let's say, he has more than one wife. So it's not won't be shared equally with the sons of the other wife, um, because maybe it's not fifty-fifty. Maybe maybe she has more property. She has more more things in her dowry than the other ksuva. Even if it's not, maybe she has she has less children. The other wife has more children, so if you're going to divide it equally, you know, the children, they're going to end up with a bigger share, a lion's share of her property that she brought into the marriage or that belongs to her, that's committed to her. So he makes a condition, that my sons will inherit separately from, 
Uh, anything in the Ksuvah, anything that's included in the Ksuvah, my sons will inherit. My sons through you will inherit and won't share it with the other children. Let them share with their mother's Ksuvah. And then whatever is left over that's not part of the Ksuvah, that all the sons from all the wives will distribute equally. So he's saying, so the supplement is also included in this, that the supplement also goes to the children, to her children, from him. And it's not shared, they inherit that, and it's not shared by the sons from another wife. Itma, we learn, the ksuva is born in Dichrin, regarding the ksuva awarded to the male children, Pumbadisa Amri, Pumbadisa holds, the rabbis and Pumbadisa say that you don't collect it from property, from mortgage property, from property that's been sold to others. <coughs> Even though all your property is mortgaged to the ksuba, but not property that's been sold to others. Even though debts, regular debt you could collect from, from Shabbatim, from property that's been sold. But the ksuba, Pumpadisa says the ksuba is different. Ksuba of male, uh, male children, is not, you can't collect it. You cannot collect it from property that's been sold. Because it says a year sentinel. The Mishnah says, male children that you will have from me, they will inherit. Inherit means, means that it's not as a, as a debt. It's not, it wasn't classified as a debt. It could be collected even if it's sold to others. And, and you can take it away from them, extract it from them. It's 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 called a, a a yerusha. It's classified as an inheritance. So therefore, whatever is present, whatever he has in the estate, that then when he dies, that's what that's what the children inherit. You don't inherit if your father sold property when he dies. You don't inherit that. It's sold. It's gone. It's not considered his property anymore. So to over here, once he sold his property, it's no longer his property. It's not a debt that you can collect. Well, the debt was from before. I, I have an earlier mortgage. I have an earlier lien on the property. So then you have to, I can take it away from you. No. Yarsin. That's the opinion. The rabbis of Masamachsia say, You could extract it from the buyer. Why? Because Yizbun Tanan. It says, The male sons you will have from me, they will take the money of Yiksuva. Yizwan, they will take, means it's like a regular debt. So like any other debt, their lien comes first. So yes, you bought it, but our lien is ahead of yours. And therefore, we can, once the father dies, they can extract, they can pay up their, their ksuba from and extract the property. The Gemara says, what's the halacha? The halacha is like Pumpadis, you cannot. It's, it's an inheritance, it's classified as an inheritance and not a regular debt. That's one argument between Another argument metallically regarding movable items that were designated to pay for the ksuva, the isna and they're still intact. The husband's estate has it. So below Then everyone agrees that the widow can take collect the ksuva without an oath. You don't need any oath. Why do you have to swear? Because. Why, in general, do you have to swear before the wife can collect it and extract it from the orphans, from the inheritors, from the children? Because we're worried maybe, maybe the husband gave her a whole bunch of valuables to collect the ksuva from. Maybe diamonds and other things. So there's no reason we should extract 
the property from the son. She has to swear. But here, he designated the payment of the ksuva from this bundle, from from these movable items. And it's here, it's present. So we're not worried that maybe he gave her something else. He said clearly, this is where you're going to get the ksuva from from this. So so it's here. There's no reason to swear. Everyone agrees. But But if they're not in the husband's estate, they're not intact, the, the movable items that he designated is, no, is not present when the husband dies, they were lost or whatever. Here we have an argument. The rabbis say, she can collect the ksuva without an oath. Why? Because even though a person does put aside a uh, amount that she should get a so she won't have to trouble have any trouble collecting it. But you, you won't do it twice. So if they were lost, there's no reason to assume that maybe oh, so they were lost. Maybe he set aside another another bundle to pay her, or something else to pay her with. So we say no, and therefore everything is mortgaged to pay the ksuva. So she can collect from the real estate. There's no longer any movable items. She can collect real estate from, from, from the property, from the real estate. She can collect the ksuva from the real estate without an oath. They must have amri, but there's rabbis of the Masamasi say, for sure. Just like he set aside, in the, initially he set aside a bundle from where he should collect the money because he wants to make it easier and he shouldn't have to go chasing. And, <laughs> so after it was lost, maybe he set aside another thing for her. A second time, just like he did the first time. Mm-hmm. So why should we take away from the property, from the children? Maybe she has to swear. She has to swear that, that he, didn't, he didn't give her anything. What's the law follow? Again, again, the law follows Pumpadisa. Pumpadisa seems to be more popular. A third argument between Pumpadisa and Masamachsia. In the academies of Pumpadisa, these are the cities in Babylonia, and the academy of Masamasia. If a husband designated for a piece of land, and he delineated the land by its four borders, he said, This land is here and there, and exactly. So, everyone agrees in that case, she collects without an oath. There's no reason for an oath. He designated the land. Certainly, he didn't deposit money or jewelry or something else for it to collect it. He delineated, he said, clearly, I'm leaving this property from north, south, east, west. So, so therefore, this is what he left her for the ksuva, so she can collect it. But the question is, what if Chadmat, what if he, he gave her land, he designated land, but he only delineated it on one border? So here we have an argument. Pumpadis, Amri, the Academy of Pumpadis, says, collect without a note. With an oath. Why? What's the reasoning? Since he didn't delineate all four borders, the land is not clearly defined. So there's nothing clearly designated for Aksuva. And therefore, maybe he did give her a whole bundle. If the time comes, you need it, you're going to collect from this. That's why he has to swear the husband never gave her anything. Again, the law follows Pumpadisa, the Academy of Pumpadisa, Beloishvua, with Adamoth. A fourth argument between these two academies, Omaleidim Kismu, Vachismu, Vahavalu. If he says, the husband says the witnesses write and sign a document to transfer and give it to her.
Because he's writing that he's giving a, a gift to someone. So he tells the witnesses, write and sign and give it to this document that I'm giving, I'm giving this person a gift. If the witnesses made a kinyan with the, with, the, with, the, with the giver, with the donor, on behalf of the recipient, so therefore, by them making, acquiring it, they, acquire, they become the agents for the recipient. So from that moment on, it belongs to the recipient. They act, even though he's totally unaware, but he's very happy for them to act as his agents. It's for his benefits. Uh, had he known, he would tell them, please, so they're acting as agents, so they acquired it. Now it's his. They don't even have to consult with him. They don't have to ask him, do you want? It's a gift. Who, who, who will refuse a gift? It goes without saying, surely, that he would want to. In this case, they don't have to ask him, consult with the donor if they should write, record um, this document and transfer it to them. Because since they made a Kenyan Therefore, it's clear that the donor wants them to write it and record it, and, it, and it's all done. But what if What if the witnesses didn't make a kinyan on behalf of the recipient? He just told them, I want you to record, to sign, and give it over. So here we have an argument. The academy said they don't have to consult with him. He gave them clear instructions. So they can walk away and do exactly what he asked, to write and write a... Mm-hmm. A start and sign it, and he gave, he's giving a gift and hand, hand it to the recipient, and that's it, and it's done. But they must have the academy, must have says, No, they have to ask him. Maybe he changed his mind about the transfer. Because since he does have the option of changing his mind until it actually he receives, until the recipient receives the document, he has the option of changing his mind. So they have to give him that option. Maybe he changes his mind in the interim. So when they write it, and before they, they sign it, before they give it, and close the deal, and it's all done, then it's too late, they have to ask him. And, and uh, otherwise, they're not allowed to give it to him. It's because if the intent of the donor was clearly that this gift should be um, should reach the recipient. He should have just told him, acquire it for him. Very simple. Lift it up for him, and it's his. Why did he give this whole elaborate thing? Write a document, sign it, transfer, deliver it to him, and give it to him. So it means he's not a hundred percent. He's he's like, you know, he's still leaving that option. All the options open. Maybe I didn't like the way he looked at me in shul. Maybe I'll take it back. He didn't give me an aliyah. Maybe I'll, <laughs> I'll take it back. So therefore, yeah, I can't just impose it on him. You have to ask him. Because there's a hesitancy. The fact that he didn't tell them, just acquire it, and it's done. And there's two witnesses, and they're acquiring it for him, so it's finished. It means he's hesitating. He's not 100% certain. You know, let me. So they have to consult with him. What does the law follow? Here, the law follows the Academy of Masamaxia. In the fourth argument, they have to consult with the donor.
It says now Mishnah Rabbalazim and Azariyim. He says that after Nisuyin, a virgin collects 200 zoos and a widow collects a man. Only after the Nisuyin, but, but not. But after Edison, she only collects. Then, then she collects a supplement after the marriage, when the completion of marriage. But after the Edison, she only collects 200 or 100. Not the supplement, because the supplement is only given if, they, if they're going to complete the marriage. Yikimar says, Itma, we learn, Rabbi Abnasim, there's an argument in Rabbi Abnasim, one of them says, Allah, Rabbi Abnasim, the law follows Rabbi Abnasim, Chadam, one says, Allah, Rabbi Abnasim, the law does not follow the Rabbi Abnasim, rather it follows the rabbis who say that even if she's widowed or divorced from the betrothal before the Nesuyan, she still collects, she collects both the basic silver as well as the supplemental amount. Says this time, let me bring you a proof that Abnosan, Abnosan is the one who says Allah is like Just because it says Rabbi Abnosan doesn't mean that the first name mentioned is the one who says Allah is like and the second name mentioned is the one who says it's not. Here's the Gemara says the exact opposite. That Abnosan, the second name that mentioned, he's the one who says the first thing he said. That the law follows Rabbi Lazar and Where do we see this? Because we know Rabbi Nosson says we follow the assessment of the person's unspoken intent. We can we have to evaluate what his intent is. See here, he didn't write any in the Ksuvah, He didn't say clearly. He didn't say clearly that it was only to be collected after the Nisui. But nevertheless, the court is evaluating his state of mind. Surely that's what he meant. Didn't have to spell it out. Yeah, the one, no, the one, no, but here's not a question. Of he wrote. The question is, what did he wrote? I'm giving you. But what did he have in mind? He didn't say. He didn't spell out. I'm giving you from betrothal. But what he had in mind is surely. I mean, he had in mind. I'm give, why am I giving you all this money? Ten thousand zuz. So you should divorce me and walk away. We never even consummated a marriage. We never moved in together. We never lived together. I'm only giving this to you. As a matter of fact, there's a takonar from one of the cities that today, even the first year of marriage, if the marriage doesn't last a year, all the money goes back to the groom. He never gave her all these gifts. I mean, it's, it's forever. It's for life. Not if it's, if it's a hit and run. It's like from, from Purim to Shushan Purim. <laughs> you know, surely if you just betrothal, that was, that's, of course, that was, I have to say it. It goes without saying. It goes without saying. That's what I meant. That's what I wrote. I never wrote anything other than what I have to spell it out. So Rab Nosson is the one that says that you follow, you evaluate his intent. It doesn't have to... Where do we see this? Rab Nosson says, He says, Regarding a person who's dangerously ill, who's very sick, critically ill, in general, if a person says, write a get for my wife, they have no right. They have a right to write a get. They have no right to give it to his wife. Until he spells it out, specifies, write it again and give it to him. Maybe just write it again to prepare it. If I want to give it, I'll have it ready. But I never gave you, I never authorized you to give it. But in Gitin, he says, what if a person is, is, going, is going out to sea? He's leaving. Or he's going out to the desert. And he says, write again. So 
then they can even deliver the get, even though he didn't specify. Because that's the presumption that he's leaving town and he wants he wants them to give a get. Right. But he but because he's 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 distracted, he didn't he didn't have a chance to spell it out. But that, that was surely his intent. Yeah. So and Shimon so the rabbis say that, that that's true in the case where he's traveling, he's leaving town. Rabshim Shazuri adds it's also true in the case if someone is critically ill and he's writing a get, he's surely his intent to is he wants to spear his wife from having to do yibum, from having to marry if he dies childless. She would have to marry his brother. So therefore he's freeing her. So even if he doesn't spell it out, surely that's his intent. And Abnasan says the law follows Rabshim Shazuri. Even the rabbis there also say we follow his intent. Rabshim Shazuri takes it even a step further. That, that even in this case where it's not so clear, we 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 say that that's what that that was his intent. So therefore, Abnasan would say the law follows Abnasan and Azariah. That here too, his intent surely was he's only giving her the supplement if they're going to complete the marriage. We continue in side B. Also regarding Trumas Meiser of the Mai. Okay, and then he also said that he said the Lord, Rabnasa said the Lord follows Rabshim Shazuri when it comes to Trumas Meiser Shal the Mai. The Mai is, it's, it's made up of two words, the Mai. Since there were um, people, unlearned people, who were not careful about tithing, giving the tithe to the VM, everyone was careful about Truma. Because if you eat tevel, you eat truma that doesn't have truma, you can lose your life in the hands of heaven. It's very strict, it's sacred. But meiser is chulin, is regular, so they weren't careful about it. So the rabbis instituted that when you buy uh, tithing from an unlearned person, when you buy a yield produce from an unlearned person, you're obligated to give 10% to the levium. Um, because maybe they never was never tithed, and then ten percent from that you have to give truma, which is sacred to the kohen. And what if the ten percent of the ten percent, the truma, of the mice that you have to give to the kohen, which is sacred, only a kohen is allowed to eat, and then it got mixed back, it was back mixed back in, into the into the rest of the yield and the rest of the fruits and the produce. So Rav Shemeshuri says, you can ask, go back to the uh, seller and ask him, did he give tithe? Did he tithe or not? And if he tithe, which if he tithe, then there was no need to tithe again. And then if there's no tithing, there's no tithing of tithing. There's no 10%. The term is not sacred. And then everything is allowed. So the rabbi said, you can believe him. Why could you believe him? Because most people do tithe, and the Torah says you follow the majority, and you can believe him, because otherwise it's going to be a tremendous financial loss, because if, if you can't eat from all that fruit, all that, all that produce, then, then um, only one who can eat from it is a kayan, and you know, by the laws of supply and demand, there's very little demand, so it's, 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 it's worth very little, so it's going to be a huge financial loss. So he says the law follows Rav Shimon Shazuri. Okay. So your mother asks, you're saying that uh, Rav Nassim is the one who says the law follows Rav Lazar Nazaria, the intent of the husband was only after the marriage is complete. 
Hey, what if a rav also busts room? Then the rav doesn't say doesn't say we follow we follow we evaluate his state of mind. What his intent is? What is what we learn? Matna shchiv mira shakasu bekinyan. If a shchiv mira writes a kinyan, he gives a matana, and he writes a kinyan. Usually, he doesn't have to write a kinyan. In general, if you don't write a kinyan, it's worthless. But the Chum say that the words of a shchiv mira. It's kiksuvin It's the equivalent of a kinyan. He's not playing game. No one plays games when you're dying. It's, every word is real. You mean it. There's no calculations. So just this words itself is like a kinyan. It's enough to, to transfer everything. Also, the rabbi said because they were worried that if if you're not going to listen to him, he'll become so anxious, he's going to die. <laughs> you know. Before, before you, before you make the kinyan, it's so it's, it's, it's going to aggravate him. He's worried that maybe he's going to die before he has a chance to make a kinyan. This is my wish. So you tell me my wish is not going to be fulfilled. It will aggravate him. It will hasten his death. Okay, but what if a person asked the the the, Aden, the witnesses, and um, and to write that, that that they made a kinyan? So why would he tell them to write? Why would he tell them the? Um, why would he tell them to write a kinyan that that, that that they made a kinyan? I mean, what was the point of, of 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 making a kinyan? What was his intent by insisting that should make a kinyan? So so they said in the name of Rav, words, he's riding on two on two animals. On one hand, he wants it to be like a gift of a sick person, to have all the milas, all the advantages of a gift of a sick person. But he also wants it to have the power of a gift of a healthy person. What's the what's the advantage? And Shmuel Amr Shmuel argues, says, no, I don't know. I don't know what 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 his intent was. So mother says, It has the advantage of a matana of a healthy person and a matana of a sick person. You can't take it back. If it was only a matna shchiv meira, someone's critically ill. It's obvious. I'm only giving to you because I'm dying. <laughs> but if I miraculously get well, I never intended to, to to impoverish myself and to give you all my money. Then surely I get everything back. But if it's a matna's body, I'm giving to you as as a healthy person. The gift is done. There's no there's no taking it back, even if circumstances change. On one hand, there's a, there's a power and there's an advantage of If he says that uh, my debt owed to me should go to so and so, so his loan taka goes to so and so. Usually, a Kenyan suder only helps, doesn't help for money. You can acquire a land or an object with a kinyan. So a loan, how do you, you can't transfer a loan through a kinyan. But a matna I could. The power of a matna if someone is critically ill, just by saying orally. He has the power to transfer the loan that's owed to him. It's now you have to pay 
this other person. In other words, it's, it's Matna Shechimra together with the Kenyan Sudha. So when he dies, so then the, the receiver, the recipient now has the rights to the loan. No, so as he said, it's not because of the Kenyan. The Kenyan doesn't really help, but because it's a Matna Shechimra. So that alone is not enough. It wouldn't help. A Kenyan Sudha wouldn't help to transfer the loan to the commit the the uh, loan, the rights to the loan to the other person, the recipient. It's useless. But as a matna shivmira, it's helpful. Talking about two separate things. He gave a matana gift, and that gift he wants to make a Kenyan. And in addition, he also gave him the rights to the loan. So the rights to the loan, the Kenyan won't help, that's why it only works as a matna shivmira. So the rights to the loan of the Matna Shechimra, if he recovers, of course the loan goes to him. <laughs> it's only if he dies, then the other person has the right to the loan. Shmuel says, no, I don't know. I don't know what his intent was. Maybe, maybe, his intent was not to transfer through a Kenyan with a document. Maybe he, he totally intended it to be a Shtar and a Kenyan, not, not a Matna Shkimir. It takes away from, from, from the power of the, of, of the, of the Matna Shkimir, the gift of, a, of someone who's dying. And maybe, on the contrary, he invalidates it. And therefore, as a matana and a star, once he dies, maybe the star, maybe the star and the kinyan, but the star, there's no star after his death. In other words, he, he wrote both. He wants. He says, if I die, when I die, you're gonna get everything. So he, but he made a kinyan. So the kinyan takes away from the power of matna shkibera. So it's not a matna shkibera, and the star is worthless after after his death. His children inherited. He, he, he's not, he's not, it's no longer his to give away. He only wants it to be effective after he dies. But he wants it as a Kenyan. <laughs> as a star with a star. There's no star after, after death. And Shmuel says, since uh, you don't need a document. Just his words are enough. So why did he insist on having a document? So he doesn't want it to be a Matna He wants it to be as a star. But the star will only go in effect after he dies. Uh, then, then, then it's too late. That's why it's worthless. Anyway, what do we see from here? That the Rav holds, that we follow, we evaluate his intent. We're assessing, even though he didn't spell it out. Maybe Shmuel is right. How do I know what he had in mind? But we're, assess- we're assessing, we're assuming, no, that he wants both. He wants the advantages, the advantage of a matna and the advantage of a, of, a, of, a, of a matan of a healthy person. So therefore, what do you, maybe Rav hold, maybe Rav is the one who said that the law follows Rabbi Loza ben Azari. Hello, rather, we continue on the 56a, Tavayu, Azli, Basarumdana. Both hold, both Rav and, Rav and Rav Nassim, we see, hold that we follow, we evaluate his state of mind, what his intent was. But Mandam so that makes sense. Mandam Allah. But why would the one say the law does not follow the Rabbis? The answer is that he holds 
that the proper evaluation of his intent is. The reason why he's giving her all this money because he loves her. And that's why he added the supplement. So he has these feelings for her. He's in love. So therefore, even the Ederson, he's ready. Just the fact, just the fact that she, she agreed to marry him. And she went into the, she, she was betrothed to him. He's giving her all of these, um, all the supplements. Just the question is, what, what is intent? That's the argument. What is intent? Is? So one of them says his intent is, you know, only if you're going to marry me, if we're going to live together. And the other one says, no, it's, it's, it's pure love. <laughs> Even the fact that she, she agreed, she entered into this marriage, for that alone, he's already, he's already ready to give all of his, uh, all, all that supplement. Okay, to be